0: Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by the Annie Selke companies. You know, the folks behind brands like Pinecone Hill Betting. And when we talked to Annie recently, she shared her secret for majorly simplifying a linen closet. Stay tuned for that and a 15% off coupon code that you can use at AnnieSelke.com YHL. I'm John.
1: And I'm Sherry.
0: We like home stuff.
1: We like talking.
0: And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not-so-deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home.
1: Today we reveal the secret behind our most successful yard sale ever. We update you guys on the toy purge we did in the spring, and we share the giant mistake that we made when we sold our first house by owner.
0: Hey, everyone.
1: Hello. Well, what's new with me this week? is that I went through another burst of wanting to pare down and simplify. And if you guys have been listening for a little while, you might remember there was an episode where we went away on vacation for spring break and I was reading this book about paring down and then I came home and like all the things got donated. I halved the kids' toys, halved 50%. And they play more and longer, and it was wonderful. But I felt a creep. You know, it's summer now, so it's been a full season. And not one, but two of our children have had birthdays. So in my head, I knew things weren't as pared down as they used to be. And I thought, I need to just spend a few solid hours just going through, like, The game cabinets and all the baskets of toys.
0: Well, and I think the other thing that's going on is with all the influx of stuff for the beach house that is making the house more cluttered than we would like. We can't really solve that right now so I think you're like kind of trying to focus your energy on the things that could be fixed like things we could pare down
1: exactly well I just wanted to make sure and I felt like oh their birthdays came it's out of control and then when I actually looked at everything it was not as bad as I thought in my head I had created this big anxiety ball and then when I looked at everything I was like oh yeah there's like a new jewelry making kit but our daughter plays with it all the time a lot of their gifts which was really helpful were experiences they got a lot of movie tickets or activities that they got to do as gifts and so I I think that really helped not create a lot of house clutter.
0: Uh, but I still noticed you were able to get rid of some stuff. Like I think I saw some where there's like weighted bracelets that you used to exercise <laughs> with.
1: I did not get rid of those. Those oh. were when I intentionally exercised. You guys might remember a few episodes ago, I revealed that I have now learned I like accidental exercise and not intentional exercise.
0: So intentionally strapping weights to your wrist is not... Uh... Yes,
1: I used to go to the gym with my best friend and we'd walk on the treadmills together on like a high incline with weights on my hands. And I just don't do that anymore and I didn't need the weights. They were by the door in the cubby like to go out the door. So I moved them to a drawer upstairs in case I like exercise when I hit my 40s or something. Something might change.
0: In case your wrists are feeling unnaturally light.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well, the kids had fun playing with them. That's true. They
0: got some exercise.
1: (laughs) But I did. Yes, you're right. I think I snuck maybe one or two garbage bags of donations out. Just things I thought our three-year-old might still play with and we've learned in the past three months since that pare down that he does not. He's outgrown certain things. It was like main maintenance paring down. I think where I'm at is I'm very excited to have the beach house in a more finished place, not only to furnish that and have the excitement of all that, but also I think our house feels like it can't fully be pared down until the beach house is fully assembled because for example, when I look in my shelf of 6 vases that I'm not using right now, I know I don't need 6 vases, but my head goes to, "Well, I might want 2 of those vases at the beach house, but I'm not sure which colors or shapes."
0: These are such important decisions. <laughs> you can you can relate to how we are just racked with anxiety. <laughs>
1: I just think I'm in this limbo where I feel like what I want to do is finish the beach house, put whatever I need there, and then donate and or have a large yard sale. And then when we were talking about a big yard sale, because we like to host those every few years if we have things we want to get rid of. The funny story is we both realized kind of in unison when we were talking about a yard sale. Yes,
0: we've been through this before.
1: And we didn't talk about our last yard sale to you guys.
0: Yeah, we had a yard sale back actually in the fall of 2015. Uh, may I use this as my what's new?
1: Yes. Okay. Take it away, John. Thank
0: you. Official transition to me. Uh, we had a yard sale just kind of in advance of finishing that bonus room above our garage, which had been an unfinished storage room for pretty much all the time that we lived here. And obviously you can't finish a room when it is packed to the gills with extra pillows and furniture and stuff that you might end up using someday in the future. So one of our first steps before we could even start that bonus room project of getting the contractor in and like putting up drywall was to just clear it out. So we had kind of um, what I would say was a super successful slash uh, fail of a yard sale. Yeah, it,
1: was. it was like good for some reasons and terrible for yeah. some reasons.
0: Yeah. So I would say the reason why it was successful is that we sold out of everything within an hour.
1: Like, people were pulling up and saying, where's the yard sale? And we were like, you missed it. Yes.
0: (laughs) We had to put signs up saying, like, all gone, turn around, go home. (laughs) So it was certainly the most um, frenetic yard sale that we've had.
1: (laughs) It really was. You know that I Love Lucy scene in the candy shop where she's eating the candy and she's trying to keep up with it? The chocolate factory. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. The conveyor belt. That was me at the yard sale, guys. I was like, oh, I didn't price that. Oh, you need this from an... Oh, I need to get the tape measure. Oh, I owe you a dollar. Like. I was running around like a crazy person.
0: And I think part of the reason for that success of it was... Partially, one, we were selling stuff that was in relatively good condition. It was just stuff we had not used in a long time. It was like all these extra accessories or small furniture pieces that we had been keeping, like just in case. It was also things left over from both of our books that we were no longer using, like some furniture projects that didn't have a space when we were all done with them.
1: Right. They were just for the book to be photographed. And then yeah. we tried to work them in. And in some cases, they worked. And it's a testament to when you do a project just to do a project, it doesn't always have a spot. Right. It's the same thing as we. When you buy something because it's a good price, it doesn't always have a spot in your house. Don't buy something because it's just on sale. I
0: hope you pay attention <laughs> to this when you listen back, Sherry. I'm this saying is an important it. lesson for Sherry Peterson. I'm also
1: saying it to myself to remind myself. Yes, you just are. Just because something is beautiful doesn't mean you have to bring it into your house. Yes,
0: future Sherry, <laughs> pay attention to this wise word that past Sherry is saying to you. <laughs>
1: Thank you, future John.
0: <laughs> Anyways, this is present John. It's Anyways. To
1: keep you all straight.
0: Because we are weirdos, When we were taking a picture for the Craigslist listing.
1: This is why it was a success, you guys. You have to work hard on the pictures.
0: We were still like in residual book mode. And so we were taking pictures of some of the items that were going to be there. And we ended up kind of like styling a little scene in front of our garage.
1: I basically treated it like if I had a storefront. You know, I've always dreamed of like window design. I dabbled in it a little in college and a little bit after. But I love the idea of like, oh, give me a big glass window and I'll fill it with something cool. And so what we used as the backdrop was our closed garage door, which is like a deep, bronzy, black colored. And so I put all these things in front of it, and I stacked them up, and there were different levels. Um, we, we, we did this. John Petersick helped. And then we photographed it with, like, the nice camera.
0: Yeah, it was probably <laughs> the nicest Craigslist yard sale listing photo that the internet has ever seen. I'll put it in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast so you can see what we mean. But this was the fail part. Uh, we were doing this in October, and we've never had one in the fall before. And so we set the start time at 7 a.m. because that's when we've set many of our other ones to start. Cause you know, there's always those early birds that show up like at 645 asking to get the first look of things. Well, I forgot that in October, seven o'clock, it's still dark. And so she's
1: black, not yeah. like dusky. No, so no it's no, like no. full dark, <laughs> like
0: flashlight dark. So yeah, we realized as we were getting up to set up in the darkness and then people start showing up.
1: In the dark. It was like, you know, those restaurants you hear that they're pitch dark so you can experience the flavors and the scents of the food.
0: People were buying just by texture.
1: Right. It was like feeling it and putting it in your car and like having some faith that your phone was illuminating it enough to see what it was.
0: Yeah. It was all very strange. My takeaways from it are, I think, one, next time we have a yard sale, I will take a nice picture of the stuff that we're selling because I think anyone who's doing a yard sale, that's a useful thing to do to give people a sense of the type of stuff that's going to be there? Is it mostly clothing? Is it big pieces like furniture? I mean, obviously you want to photograph like your kind of flashiest stuff. Right. Uh, And I think you can make any stuff look relatively nice if you take just a couple moments to you know, put it on a clear backdrop and shoot it in good light and maybe take a second on your phone to brighten it or whatever to make it a, a good photo. So it looks like someone cares about the stuff that they're selling. So that is a tip that I am going to carry with me from this. Uh, but I'm also going to remind myself to start it at a normal time when the sun will be up.
1: Right. Just look up sunrise, guys. It takes a second on an iPhone.
0: Oh, and now I'm excited to announce the return of everybody's new favorite music.
1: Because we have another installment of our favorite segment called Can we just talk about? Okay, guys, it's a pretty exciting topic this time. We're going to tackle
0: the microwave under our counter. Can we just talk about it? Because it seems like whenever we share a picture that has it in it, someone who maybe presumably has seen it for the first time wonders why we put it there. Do we hate it there? Do our children use it all the time and put the dog in there?
1: It's not that people are mean. It's no. just, it's the one design decision that every time we show it without fail, there is a discussion of what the thought behind the choice yeah, was. What the
0: heck were you thinking? If
1: it's annoying for John because we know he's tall.
0: So we figured, let's address it here. Not that that's going to solve the problem entirely. But
1: nope, you'll still notice every time it's on Instagram. Well, it's
0: mostly just I'm surprised that like it still is a conversation piece, maybe because you and I, granted, we did put a lot of thought into that decision. But now that we've lived with it for so long, it's like a non-issue for us. I actually quite like it.
1: I know, I would I would recommend it. I would recommend it too. Right?
0: Officially on record, we recommend it. I mean, admittedly, microwaves are kind of weird sometimes. Like, you know where you're going to put your fridge. You know where you're going to put a dishwasher around. A microwave is often like an afterthought, I feel like, in a lot of kitchens. And so it ends up on the counter or you mount it above the stove. And we wanted to try to avoid both of those things. So we put it there in the island. And I've actually learned to really like it. It's, I love it. It's really convenient. I mean, we don't use it a whole lot. But right. for instance... I use it every morning when we make smoothies because I pop the frozen ingredients in there for like 30 seconds to soften them a little bit. I find it makes the smoothie smoother. <laughs> a little side tip for you.
1: Smoothie smoothing expert over here. Meter's right, exactly.
0: So I like having it right there because it's super convenient. If you think about it, most of your appliances live under the counter. like Your dishwasher you lean down for, unless you have a wall oven, your Oven is usually something you lean down for. So it's actually kind of in the same zone of all those things.
1: Right. I've learned that the fastest way to communicate to someone what it's like is if you have problems unloading your dishwasher and you wish your dishwasher was above your stove, then you might not like this. The other way I describe it is people wonder if the children get into it or get hurt Well, we just tell them not to touch it just like we taught them not to touch a hot stove. The stove is within their reach too and they don't put their hand on it. And I actually think in talking to someone who is like a childproofing expert, they were saying at different age levels, it's actually nice to teach your children what not to do instead of just keeping everything away from them. Because if they're ever in another person's house, for example, if they're on a play date and someone has like a magnetized knife strip above the counter – Your kids might be like, cool, a a knife. So basically the child expert was saying like, listen, you don't give them to two-year-olds, but as they get older, you just teach them not to touch it. It's the same way you'd hate if they went to someone's house and they didn't know not to touch a hot stove. Yeah. You just need to teach them.
0: And guess what? We're putting in the same spot in our beach house.
1: We have such confidence in it that we're doing exactly the same thing. It's really nice, I think, to us who value the beauty of a kitchen and the effect you have when you walk in, like the wow factor of the kitchen, to get to put a hood over a stove. I think that just looks so nice. It's not that a microwave looks bad. It's that a hood elevates it. It's like extra credit to get a beautiful hood. And so in the beach house, we want to do the same thing. We got that cool pink stove. We didn't want to have a silver or white microwave over the pink stove. And so it became, let's get a great hood and we'll put the microwave in the island again.
0: So in case you haven't seen the pictures of our microwave under the island in this kitchen, we will put a picture of it in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Thus concludes this installment of Can We Just Talk About slash we're going to make an impassioned plea for the undercounter <laughs> microwave. I realized it turned into that.
1: It's well, I feel like people don't give it its due.
0: The unsung hero.
1: It is. But enough about that. I have a quiz for you, John. I have done research and I have my notes in my hand. So this is an article published by Lonnie. It's called 25 Interior Design Trends That Are Better in Theory. I think someone actually sent this to me and said this would be a good what's not. And I was like, shh, don't tell John.
0: People, these are supposed to come to me.
1: But sometimes I like to take over and quiz you. So I've broken the rules of five and I've picked seven things. Okay. One's fake, the rest are really from the article. They're all things that you might consider interior design trends that are better in theory. Number one, fiddly figs.
0: I don't understand a fiddly fig in theory. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to have trouble wrapping my brain around this. I can tell.
1: Number two, styled coffee tables.
0: Okay. Well, that I could see. Yes. Because, I mean, we have nothing on our coffee table. Well, our ottoman. Because it wouldn't stay styled very long.
1: Right. Feet go on there. Number three, shag rugs.
0: I could see that also. Is this things that are like in reality aren't actually that functional or practical?
1: Essentially. Because I should be good at this. Yeah, they're saying these are better in theory, but not always as good in practice.
0: Okay, okay, I'm on board
1: now. Number four, Persian rugs in bathrooms.
0: Oh, I don't know much about that.
1: Tiny houses.
0: Well, okay, yes, that has to be on the list.
1: Fresh flowers. Mmm. Those pesky fresh flowers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm really going back and forth on this thing.
1: And number seven is wheeled desk chairs.
0: Well, the wheel desk chair stands out because we found in practice those didn't pan out as well because the wheels left scratches on our wood floor. So I could see you coming up with that as a fake because it was nice in theory because we could move around, but we were not willing to put one of those like plastic pads down. So that's why we took the wheels off and put pads on them instead. They still move.
1: And they swivel still.
0: I also feel like the tiny houses, although I agree in practice, are not probably as good as they are in theory. That one is a little bit incongruous with the rest of the list. Okay, I'm just going to go for the last one and say Wheelie Office Chairs.
1: You're right. Yes! Oh, I thought too hard about what to, to put on there that we could teach someone about, and it was so obvious to you that it was yes. the one that was ours.
0: I, I saw you lay that teaching moment out, and I took it, and I taught.
1: But don't you think some of them are funny, like fresh flowers and fiddly figs?
0: Well, I mean, I could see how a fiddly fig and a fresh flower are under that category of like, they do take some care. And so they might look really gorgeous in a picture, but they do take upkeep and they may not last as long as you hope they would.
1: Other things I thought were interesting is I didn't understand the Persian rugs in bathrooms because I'm like, it's just like any other rug. But they just said not a great combo for bacteria.
0: How is that different than another rug?
1: I don't know. Maybe because you couldn't wash it or you're not supposed to wash a Persian rug. I guess so. I just thought it was funny that they were like bacteria central. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I think the obvious thing for a bathroom is you want a rug that you don't have to worry about and you could throw on the laundry to just, you know, clean or freshen up a little bit. And maybe a Persian rug might take a little bit more care, especially if it's an antique. Exactly.
1: Exactly. There's 25, so you can check them all out. We'll put the link to this article from Lonnie in the show notes. Again, it's called 25 Interior Design Trends That Are Better In Theory.
0: Well, since it's been a while since we've taken a listener question, we are going to turn to our voicemail and answer this question from Kira
1: hey this is kira from richmond i was hoping to sell a buy owner instead of involving a realtor i saw on your blog that you guys have done the same before and i was wondering if you had any tips or if you wish you did involve a realtor i am not sure if it's worth the cost because i am able to do video and photography and some light design so i'd love your guidance through this if you guys could check all that have a great day bye
0: So, short answer to her question, would we sell a house by owner again?
1: We're never selling our houses. (laughs) Okay.
0: If we had a house that we were selling.
1: Yes. Yes, we would. Yes.
0: We sold both of our first two houses by owner. And having gone through that experience, which was not a flawless one in either case, uh, so we have learned some lessons, it's still something that we would give a go again if we were in the position of selling a home. Exactly. And if you're thinking we were able to sell our house by owner because we have our blog, uh, that was not what ended up doing into the end. We did have some extra showings because people who read the blog wanted to see the house, but in both cases, the final owner was not someone who had any clue who the heck we were.
1: Yeah, definitely didn't read the blog.
0: So it certainly can work for you whether you have a blog or not. But it doesn't always work. I don't think it's a perfect answer for everyone or every house is a good candidate for it. For instance, there's one just down the street from us right now that I noticed was for sale by owner for like two or three weeks. And it just switched over to being listed by a realtor.
1: Yeah. It really, it has to do with the market. It has to do with how hard you work. And I think what people overlook sometimes is sort of entering with a splash. Yeah. I think some people want to tiptoe into it. Like, I'll just put it on Zillow, make me move. Or I'll just put a sign out front, but I won't put it on MLS. Those are things that are not entering with a splash, pricing it wrong. These are all these yeah. things that you kind of have to do at once and then burst onto the scene.
0: Well, and it certainly depends also on your patience or your lack thereof. You know, if you have a few months to figure it out, sure, why not? But if you are in some urgency, you know, you might want to think twice about it. So I think actually the most helpful way for someone like Kiara, anyone who's considering the for sale by owner route is to think about what you might gain from actually using a professional real estate agent, and then to ask yourself whether you can either do those things yourself or whether you can live without them. Because we've certainly come to appreciate the skill and the value added by a professional realtor over the years. As we've talked, we've got several friends who do it and they work very hard. So to think that you can just like roll in and do exactly what they do, I think is not a fair assumption.
1: Yeah, not very realistic. And as a side note about realtors, Always use a buyer's agent, guys. Buyer's agents are free for you to use. They're paid for by the seller. The seller usually pays three percent to the buyer's agent and three percent to the seller's agent.
0: So if you are the person looking for a house, that's when you get a buyer's agent, someone to help you find that house. And
1: it's great. They know neighborhoods. They know what to ask. They can help you negotiate closings. Agents are amazing. So we have bought four. No, have we bought four houses? Yeah, we have bought four houses. That is so crazy. We bought three homes and a beach house, and we've used a buyer's agent every time. And I'm telling you, I did didn't feel like I could do that myself yeah. and I don't need to. They're there for free to help us. So always use a buyer's agent. Side note over. Yes. Back to the five things that a realtor can do for you if you hire them to sell your house or that you need to do for yourself if you don't hire them.
0: And they certainly probably do a lot more things than the five we're going to say here, but these are some five general categories you can think about. Number one. Yes, number one.
1: Pricing help.
0: Pricing. This is the thing that we really failed at on our first house because we overpriced our house big time when we first listed it on Craigslist and on MLS and all the other places we put it. Because we went into it thinking like, well, this is what we paid. This is roughly what we've invested in improvements and also the value that we would like to get back from it. Like we kind of approached it from a me standpoint, like what's the money I want to earn?
1: Also, we bought in the bubble and we sold in the lull.
0: That certainly didn't (laughs) help. So again, eventually we did sell the house for much lower than we originally listed it. But we did miss out on possibly some early buyers because we had several showings where people came and saw it at that higher price. And part of me thinks that the reason they did not buy is because it was priced too high. I think we literally got that specific feedback from one person now that I think about it.
1: Yeah. And I also think sometimes it's just hard to have perspective when it's your own home. You yeah. think it's better than everyone else's. You yeah. think it's amazing. You love the way it's landscaped. You love the way it's laid out, but you bought it. So you do like it. Yeah,
0: And a realtor is someone who's going to come at it from a really objective perspective educated standpoint because they watch the market all the time. They have a sense of what's out there and what people are actually paying for them. So they can bring some real expertise to pinpointing what is going to be a realistic
1: price. And if I was going to give you any advice, the most important thing about selling your house is the price. If you underprice your house, the market will usually rise to meet you. There will be bidding wars. There will be multiple offers in our usually neighborhood. Usually might
0: be a strong word.
1: I mean, in many cases, it will correct itself. If it's too high, it will sit. And if it's too low, many people will say, hey, that's great. Investors will come after it. Everyone will want it if yeah. it's undervalued. At least
0: what we've witnessed in our area is that at the end of the day, the homes tend to sell for what the market wants them to sell for.
1: Exactly. The last two smaller homes in our neighborhood, they underpriced them. They both got bid up by like twenty or 30000 thousand dollars from the asking price.
0: So yeah, just know if you're going to sell by owner that you will need to do some extra work on your end to try to find a fair price and you still may miss the mark because you may not have the resources that a realtor will have. But moving on.
1: Number two is they will give you an outside eye for staging and fixes to your home. They'll come to your house and open all the doors and air it out and light a candle if they need you to, to make it smell good. They'll open every single blind to let as much light into your house.
0: But you're missing the other part. The part that you do where like you're staging for photos and like the marketing materials that you create. I think it's helpful to have an outside eye. And that's sort of the service that you've provided um to your realtor friend by coming and staging these houses is you don't always see the furniture piece that might be too big or the room that might be too cluttered or the way that you might be able to make your house more attractive to potential buyers. And right, so- but a
1: realtor or a stager can walk in there and say, oh- Move the sofa against the wall. This room looks too small with the sofa in the middle of the room. Yeah,
0: they won't have all the like emotional hangups or functional hangups that you have. Like you might be like, oh no, but I need that there, or like I access that every morning. They might be able to give you the hard news, like no, honey, that has to go if you want to sell this house.
1: Exactly. Even someone saying like, listen, plant five bushes in the front of your house is looking a little sparse. You might not have noticed. You've stared at your house for five years. It doesn't look sparse to you.
0: And granted, you might be able to get some of that from another type of outside eye, like have a friend over or a neighbor or something, and just ask for their honest feedback. But they won't necessarily come out from the experience that someone who does this professionally 24-7.
1: Right. And I would say if this is something you're going to DIY, try taking pictures of the rooms and staring at the pictures. That's my tip. A lot of times when you're standing in a space, your eye doesn't register balance or scale as easily as in a photo. But in a photo, you might think, ooh, that looks like a black hole. I should put a pillow on that brown chair. You know, things like photographing it not for the listing, but just to study it, then make your shifts and then re-photograph it for the listing. Those second round of photos will be much nicer than the first round because you'll be able to tweak things to make sure the scale, the balance, the layout all looks as good as possible. And if you can't get fresh eyes, you can have fresh eyes by staring at a picture of a space.
0: Well, and speaking of pictures, that is a good segue to our number three. I think a realtor also brings a lot of expertise and help in the sort of marketing of a home, you know, the photos, the video, the listing, whatever the descriptions are. And I think just like the caller kind of said, we went into our homes thinking like, we can do this part ourselves. Like we have nice photos of our home. Like we are in advertising. We know how to like sell something. Right. We can
1: say it's pretty and nice and tell you all the reasons why you should buy this house because we bought it and we love it and we know why.
0: Yeah. So I think that is something that probably a lot of people come to the for sale by owner process of thinking like, oh, I can do that. I can take care of the marketing. But at the same time, I don't think everyone has that skill to take the photos with the wide angle lens that shows everything or know the like keywords that are really going to help people in your specific area find your house? Like what are the features that are going to make your house stand out? For instance, one of the things that ended up making our second house so attractive to the people that bought it is that it had two masters. There were two bedrooms with ensuite bathrooms and they were both on a single level because we had a ranch home. And so the older couple that bought it really liked that it was all on one level and that they had two masters. And that was not something that Sherry and I were really keyed into when we were writing up our listing. Like, yeah, we thought it was nice, but we thought like the renovated kitchen or like the, the new sunroom. deck,
1: the new patio, like all the things we had added that we knew it's so much nicer than when we bought it. So we'll tell them all about the things we changed. Inherently, this house had a feature that people loved, yeah. and the realtor who was helping us buy our third house, our current house, this one we're in right now, said, "Hey, I know someone who wants your house because don't you have two ensuite bathrooms?" And we were like. Yeah, we do. Why? She was like, that's going to sell your house right there. It's all one level and there's two masters. And literally, we weren't even finished. And she kept saying, can I bring them over? Can I bring them over? I don't even think, did we hit MLS? I don't think we ever No, we never had to list on
0: MLS, no. And also part of the marketing that a realtor does is also like the open house, which you can debate whether or not those are still valuable or not uh, as a seller. But we didn't do that for either of ours. But we did have to be the people to receive people for showings. Like I think we, for some reason, especially in our first house, thought like we should give everyone a tour like they were our guests, not that they were potential buyers.
1: Yeah, not we though. It was just John. Oh yeah,
0: just me. And it turned out I- being very uncomfortable for me. I, I would
1: leave. i take the dog. I'd take our daughter and we'd just go. And then John was like the tour guide.
0: Yeah, I seem so <laughs> dumb in retrospect. I was like, oh, this is where we eat breakfast, blah, blah, blah. And they're probably like, will you get out of here so we can talk about your house <laughs> behind your back?
1: So hindsight 2020. Yeah. Don't walk people around your house in an annoying, lingering way, but feel free to show them certain features you know, they're going to ask you, for example, in our area, the question is always like, do you have a heat pump or do you have gas? You know, like there's questions. Do you have gas. <laughs> there's questions about your house, not your body that will come up. <laughs> are you on sewer? Are you on septic? Give them that information. But then I do think even on TV, I'm noticing more realtors who are like, here's the kitchen. I'll let you guys walk around upstairs. Right. I they- did.
0: I did give people time after I gave the tour to walk around themselves. So I wasn't uh, total bozo about it. But another important part about the marketing skill that a realtor might bring to the picture, and this is our fourth thing, is that they've just got connections and resources that the average person doesn't have. For instance, we were talking to one of our realtor friends the other day and she was saying she had a client who was looking for a very specific type of house in a specific neighborhood. And so she went on some special message board. I don't know if it was a Facebook group or what, but it was like all realtors. And she was able to post a listing say, I'm looking for this. Who has this for me? And someone was able to hook her up with it.
1: It's like a private message board for realtors. And that seems annoying. Like, why can't the layperson? Like a secret club. Exactly. Why can't the layperson get on there? But the truth is that you're hiring these people because they do this day in and day out. And of course, they figured out ways to network. So it is something to just think about. The way that I describe it is if you're selling it for sale by owner, sometimes it feels like you're standing at the pond with like your little dinky fishing rod and one piece of bread. And a realtor is like the person with all the lures and all the fancy fishing rods and they can catch 30 fish in an hour. Like they just can bring the volume. So it's not to say you can't do it yourself because in two instances we've been able to do it ourselves. But just think about that and how they market things. They might have other realtors they know. They might have client lists. They might have a Facebook page. And I'm also going to tell you one thing, guys. Do not not pay to put your house on MLS if you're selling it by owner.
0: In other words, do pay to put yeah, it on MLS. You're
1: absolutely crazy. Like you will drive yourself nuts if you stick a for sale sign in the ground and then say, here they come. You have to put it on MLS because that is where everybody well, is looking.
0: Let's not go so far to say that'd be crazy because I think one thing you open yourself up to when you are on MLS, obviously that's the thing that gets you on Zillow and realtor.com and all those sites to get you the biggest pool. But it does mean you are probably going to attract a lot of people who are buying through a realtor. And so you as the for sale by owner person need to be willing to pay the percentage to the buyer's agent.
1: Right. So in both cases, when we sold our house by owner, we did pay 3% to the buyer's agent. As a seller, you just always pay both agents. We bypassed having one agent sell our house in both those instances, but both people who bought the first and the second house had a buyer's agent, so we paid 3%. You might say, well, if I'm going to pay 3%, I might as well pay 6%. Right. But let me tell you, I did some math before this podcast episode. We have saved around $16,000 on those two 3% fees. So that to me is significant, right? Like that's a down payment on another house. It's a car. It's, it's not $5. So out of all that money you're saving, listen to me as I, I cup your face in my hands and whisper sweetly into your mouth, <laughs> into your eyes. Where am I whispering? In your soul. I'm whispering into your ears. I don't even want
0: you whispering into my mouth. It's so creepy. <laughs>
1: Whatever you do, please pay the $400 or whatever it is to list it on MLS because the amount of people you will be able to reach through that It is absolutely a no-brainer. I mean, hit the scene with a splash. Have the right price out the gate. Have a beautiful flyer out the gate. Have ways you're gonna network out the gate.
0: And all of that stuff is the kind of the upfront things, but the last thing that I think a realtor is really helpful for is a thing that happens after you have a buyer. Like all that paperwork guiding you through the inspection process, the closing, all that stuff might be really nice to have a professional help guide you and sort of like manage your stress. Because I'll admit, especially in the first house, that was a really stressful few weeks for us because there's just a lot that is coming at you in terms of inspection items and negotiations and things that like, you might take personally because you're the homeowner. I mean, that's a stressful process whether you have a real estate agent or not working for you, but at least it's helpful to have someone else who is your advocate who can like talk you off the ledge if you're getting too stressed out. Right,
1: even saying like, this happens all the time. Don't take it personally. Every single house I sell, they say this to the person. This is
0: normal or this is not normal and you should push back against it. It was hard working not having those reference points because it was the first time we'd sold a house. Right. And another thing to consider if you are going the for sale by owner route is that you may be able to talk to an agent or an attorney or someone who you could pay a flat fee or maybe a lower percentage fee to help you just with that back end stuff once you have a buyer. I don't want to speak to exactly how that would work out because we didn't do that in either case, but I... I do know some realtors that have been willing to do that sort of thing, sort of a, a different arrangement because they don't have to do all the front end stuff. They right. They're have not to do marketing, the marketing
1: it. They're not doing all the showings. They're literally just making sure the paperwork works and reading it over and kind of being a sounding board for you in those harder situations at the end, like inspection and closing.
0: So again, if that's our list of the things that we feel like a realtor really brings to the table, you know, the pricing help, the outside eye for staging and fixes, the sort of marketing, meaning the photo, the listing, the showings, the open house, their connections within the local real estate world, and also their help with the paperwork and all the back-end stuff. If those are things that a realtor can bring to the table, but you still want to go the for sale by owner route, I think it's helpful to be just aware of those, to know that those are things that you may either need to do yourself or things that you will just be missing in your sale process. And we'll put some links in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast to some of our old blog posts about our for sale by owner experience, so you can get some more tips there. And if anyone else has a question they want us to tackle on a future episode, you can leave us a voicemail at 571-4-Y-H-L-H-A-P.
1: And leave off the last S for saving.
0: <laughs> and leave off the last S for it's time to take a break.
1: Oh, I thought it was leave off the last S for sharing. Nope. This episode is brought to you by the Annie Selke Companies, the folks behind brands like Dash and Albert Rugs and Pinecone Hill Bedding.
0: And despite being in the business of selling bedding, Annie was telling us that people don't need some excessive collection of sheets in their linen closet. It's just about having enough that you can inject some variety and stay covered during laundry day without disrupting the whole room's look. I'll let her explain it. I always consider a bed wardrobe. So I have a very specific color scheme in my bedroom, but the sheets aren't all the same. So I might have three different kinds of sheets. One's a solid sky blue sheet. Then I have a white sheet with sky blue embroidery. Then I have a plain white sheet.
1: It almost reminds me of those kids clothes that have like- Her animals. Yes, have you ever heard of those? And they have like oh, different course, animals yeah. on the tag and you know what goes together. Exactly. I love that idea with bedding. Like it's error proof.
0: If you want to start assembling your own bed's wardrobe, Head over to AnnieSelke.com slash YHL and click betting. They've even made a shop by color menu to make coordinating super easy.
1: Predictably, I love the pink and the blue categories.
0: And save 15% on your next Annie Selke order with the code YHL15. Again, that's A-N-N-I-E-S-E-L-K-E.com slash YHL and code YHL15. I've gotten an embarrassing word digging this week.
1: I don't know if it's embarrassing.
0: I just think it's sort of um, me giving up on the world. So this week I'm digging a new solution I've implemented for our garden hose out back. We previously had had one of those like big pots that you kind of coiled it in because right. it looked so nice and kind of sleek and low profile and like kept the hose kind of hidden. And it was like a dark bronze color. so it's it bl- like
1: yard pottery.
0: Yeah, it like blended in with the mulch nicely. Here was the problem with it. I got so lazy, I never coiled the hose in that thing. So instead, we had this pot with a hose sticking out in a big mess. Like it was like a time.
1: tarantula hose sticking out of the pot with like 50 appendages.
0: Well, and the pot like always got filled with leaves in the fall that then would rot. And like the hose got all black and gross. It just was not as pretty as it had promised me to be. So a few weeks ago when we were at my aunt's house working on her backsplash, I had to use her hose outside to fill up my wet saw, something else I have dug in the past. And she had this hose reel. It's one of those like actually kind of coiled windy things with a handle so you can actually pull the hose right out when it's time to use and then wind the handle back and it kept it completely tangle free the whole time.
1: It's one of those things you'd see an infomercial for and it'd be like, are you tired of having a tangled hose? And there'd be a man literally dropping it, tripping over it, spilling his coffee. Maybe his glasses fall on the ground. Exactly.
0: That was me. So I just went out and got one of these things. It is not super pretty. It is a little bit tall and obnoxious. It does not blend in as well as the hose pot, but you know what? It works. And I am happy that it's there because my hose is no longer all over the ground. So I guess actually technically I have improved the aesthetics of the situation. Right, because it
1: never looked clean and nice before.
0: I will put a link to the one that I bought in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. And there are some like fancier, heavier duty ones. I didn't get a super expensive one. I think mine was like 25 bucks because I just wanted to give it a go before I like put $50 into this thing. So who knows if it will stand the test of time. But so far, so good.
1: And this week, I'm digging something that is me secretly covertly giving up, but from an outward stance, it looks like I haven't given up.
0: Well, that's a good thing.
1: And it is Javiana Flip Flops. Haviana? I think that's how you say it. So for my whole life I was calling them Havana like Savannah and then my friend was like no. There's like an I-A in the middle of that word. It's Oh not. yeah
0: okay I know these. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yes definitely not Havana.
1: And they have these flip flops that look like flip flops right? They're rubber and they look like flip flops which is kind of a I've given up right? And I wear them. What do you mean mm-hmm. given
0: up? They're flip flops.
1: I mean I wear them most of the summer but you don't look like cute. When you're going to the PTA function all the women have like little slides oh, or sandals. And sometimes I'm the only one in flip flops and mine are like covered in yard dirt like it's like a little bit worse than just a clean flip-flop because
0: i was gonna say i look plenty cute in flip-flops
1: i know you do but there's like a kate spade leather flip-flop but there's there's not a rubber dusty flip-flop like mine so i discovered through my friends that javiana also makes these secret flip-flops and they look more like sandals they're still made of the rubber material but the shape is not just like the v that goes through your toe it's not the thong exactly well they make a super tall thong if that makes sense but it has an ankle strap and like a long strap that goes from your toe to like the top of your ankle. Like an anklet. Kind of. And it's called the Freedom Sandal, which I think is funny because it's freedom from real sandals and this rubber flip-flop sandal. And I'm going to link these in the show notes because I'm going to tell you two names, both of which are not very easy to stay in your brain. The other one I love is called the Flash Urban. This one is really hard to describe, but it wraps around your ankle almost in a snake-like way. It's much dressier But it's still made of the rubber and it's still a flip-flop, but if you saw it on someone's foot with like a long skirt or shorts, it just is more dressed up than like the traditional boring rubber flip-flop.
0: Okay. So it feels like a boring old rubber flip-flop but it doesn't look like one.
1: Exactly. I'm wearing flip-flops, but to other people's eye, I'm not. It's like pajama jeans. (laughs) I don't own pajama jeans, but I've always been intrigued by the concept. They're basically a pajama with the jean printed on top.
0: Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. I convinced Sherry to let me say that this week.
1: Which means I get to sweetly ask you to share our podcast with a friend or family member that you think might like it. You know, just gently cup their face in your hands and whisper it into their mouth. Oh no, (laughs) not this again. And keep telling us on social media what you do while you listen. Like Lucy from Scotland, who was listening when she got interrupted by a phone call with the news that she got the flat she wanted. Congrats on becoming a homeowner, Lucy.
0: And don't forget to check out younghouselove.com podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode. Like more details about our for sale by owner experiences.
1: And that ridiculously styled photo of our yard sale stuff.
0: Later. Bye.
1: Our voicemail is one 855
0: <laughs> not even close
1: one, four, nine, four. <laughs> one,
0: one, six, four, six. Five seven one. but oh yeah sherry's <laughs> just gonna say all nine digits and then i will edit together in an actual phone number at the end it'll be like siri i'll be like eight four three four nine four no five seven, <laughs> five seven one four
1: okay